Finding Purpose, The Song of My Life, Episode 32, More Letters and a Father's Love. Welcome back, everyone. We barely had time to get adjusted to our communal family at the big house, and it was time to pack up again. We were going on the next tree planting job and would be gone for three weeks. So much for leaving the teepee life behind. We would soon be out camping in tents with a team of 15 people in the mountains. We had a 200-mile drive ahead of us, partly on windy roads through the forest and hills. On arriving, we had to get straight to work setting up the camp. The men were in charge of the tents, and us ladies had to get organized to cook the dinner. And not to forget, we had our small babies to take care of in between all of this action. This time, my friend and I decided to make it a priority during the week to drive into town to the laundromat. We usually had loads of dirty diapers and the children's clothes. Though camping with babies wasn't easy, we were young mothers and we just took everything in stride. When the men returned at the end of each hard day out on the hills, we gathered in song and prayer before the dinner. Then we would sit around the campfire and listen to the men tell the stories of their day. Despite any troubles or trials they had, they considered it to be lessons that Jesus was teaching them about endurance and learning to be thankful for everything. We were all happy when the men's quota of tree plants was finished so we could return home. We had a long drive back and then all the unpacking and cleaning up before we could settle back into the schedule of living waters. I think the men had a special sense of accomplishment after these jobs because they were providing some financial stability for the ranch. Thomas and I were especially glad to get back to the weekly Bible studies and sharing our meals with our other friends in the dining room. Tom Peterson started out the Monday study by introducing us to the first letter of the Apostle John. He told us that by the time John wrote it, he was a very old man and he was the last living apostle. As a father, John wrote over and over to his listeners, he called them my children and beloved. Tom pointed out how John pleads with the believers to not love the things of this world because it is passing away. He reminds them that God has promised those who believe eternal life and presses upon them the importance to abide in Him. In chapter 3, John himself is amazed as he writes about the love of God, and he puts the emphasis on we, we the believers. Verse 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we be called the children of God, and such are we. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. To close the evening, one of the musicians led us in a new song from that very passage. We sang together in a round. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the children of God. So we left the dome that night singing as we walked through the fields on our way back to the cabin. What a way to end the day. 
Back at the big house, we carefully put our sleeping baby into her bed. We lit the kerosene lamp and climbed up onto our elevated bed. This time, Thomas had a lot on his mind, and it seemed the study had touched a deep place in his heart. He started talking about his past and how much he had missed having his father around to take care of the family. He was beginning to realize that the deficiencies in his character were because he had grown up alone with no one to turn to who understood him. Actually, that was one of the first things he had confided in me when we first met three years before. He poured out his heart to me again that evening, saying how thankful he was that I always loved him and hadn't given up on him. He said the reason that he appreciated so much living at the ranch was that there were other men teaching him basic things about life. He had not experienced that with his father, being given instructions or requiring any obedience from him. The result was that he wanted nothing to do with anyone who wanted to give him guidance, not his parents and not his teachers. But now that he had been born again and healed from the hurt of his past, he had a growing love for his parents. He wanted nothing more than for his family to become believers. The Apostle John's letter, as a father to his children, had filled him with inspiration for his next letter to his mother. Thomas, as a son, had the same desire for his parents, that they would open their hearts to believe in God's Son. Before I share some of Thomas's letter to his mother, I will give you a brief account of his mother's life. She was born in Berlin in 1926. Her mother was a young nanny to a wealthy family. Her father was an Egyptian man working in Berlin as a journalist. They never married, and he was only around a couple of years before he returned to Cairo. Besides school, Nadia began studying dance when she was a young girl. Then came the war. She was 14 when it started in 1940. And though she and her mother survived the horrors of the war in Berlin, she still managed to study drama during that time. In her documents, she has noted that her graduation diploma from the School of Theater had been destroyed in the bombings. She was able to get new copies and acquired a job as a dancer at the Ludwigspalast in 1949. There she met her future husband, Edward von Doren, who had also grown up in Berlin. He was the arranger and composer at the theater. She was in her early 20s, and he was 16 years older than her. This is what she wrote about her life at the time when Thomas began writing letters about our new faith. My marriage was broken and dysfunctional, in which we were both going our separate ways. Our two small boys naturally sensed the absence of the security of a loving home. My husband was seldom there, and when he would visit, he showered the boys with gifts. Everything in our life was erratic and somewhat hectic. Those years were a huge burden for me. My motto was, grit your teeth and persevere. That helped me to endure the circumstances, but my heart became hardened through it all. Added to that, I had a constant fear that I was not mature enough for the responsibilities. I provided for the basic needs of the children, but I was not capable of giving them the warmth and the love they needed. I was like an automatic machine that functioned but without life. 
After five years of marriage, my husband told me he wanted a divorce so he could marry his girlfriend. I decided to start an apprenticeship as a medical technician. At least I had a goal and plunged myself into the work. With the help of my mother and the school's afternoon program, I thought the children would be taken care of. But it didn't take long until difficult problems arose. The youngest, Thomas, turned into a rebel. He was the troublemaking leader of the class. I started getting regular letters of complaints from his teachers. As a young teen, he began smoking hash with his older musician friends. During that time, my husband had divorced the other woman. Then he had a stroke, and he came back to live with our family. For practical reasons, we remarried and experienced a harmonious time together, despite his difficult health situation. The problems at high school with Thomas began escalating. One teacher sent me an example of an essay that was obviously written under the influence of drugs. We were all helpless and could only imagine a terrible end for him. Three months before graduating, he quit school. A short time later, he left Berlin with his American girlfriend, whom he had met when he was 18. I was convinced that he was completely lost and I would never see him again. I had no hope left and blamed myself for everything. The following couple of years, the children in America got into trouble, and Christine's parents kept me informed of the circumstances, and they even helped Thomas get out of jail. Then suddenly, less than two years later, I received a very strange letter from Thomas. He said that they were both so happy because they had found their life's purpose in Jesus Christ, and also that Jesus loves me. Thomas's letters were full of Bible verses. This caused me to be interested in who is this Jesus, and at the same time, it was making me feel insecure about my own beliefs. So that brings me now to Thomas's letter written from the cabin in the forest. He was so happy to go up there with his new study Bible, which was going to be a big help in finding scriptures. He wrote... Dear family, all of our love and prayers are with you. We hope that the love of Jesus would flow into your hearts through this letter. Our Father in heaven has blessed us so richly that we can do nothing else but pass on this fullness of life to you. Christine and I have truly been born again. The longer we walk with Jesus, this only strengthens the truth that we have a new nature. It is written, Put off your old self. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Mother, you wrote to me that it is wonderful for us that we have found the way, but it goes much deeper than that. God doesn't only love us and the thousands of Christians in the world, but he also sent his son for you. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood so that you, my family, would find forgiveness of sin and receive eternal life. I can understand and relate to the fact that the church's dogma has scared you off. I also had to let go of that erroneous perception that the church organization is the same as the person of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can see into your heart and set you free. The only thing that counts is, have you turned your heart towards Him? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus God's Son can forgive you? 
It's nice that you bought yourself a Bible now, but it is not like your other philosophical books. It is not a book to be analyzed or researched. The Bible is the Word of God, eternal truth. It is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago and will be true tomorrow. God is not bound by time. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The Bible isn't an ordinary book full of mere alphabetical letters to be intellectually understood. God's Spirit makes it alive. It is the living word. Mother, you wrote that you hope to find the next open door to your enlightenment. This is what you are dreaming of. But how much longer are you going to wait? Here I am as your son, showing the way to the true door. Jesus said, I am the door. He who goes in will be saved. I know it is hard for you to believe me and what I say because of our past. I didn't give you any reason to trust me. I only caused you much grief. But please be willing to put the past behind you and consider today, here and now, this moment in time. Where do you stand with God? Do you know Him and have a relationship with Him? Or are you tapping around in the darkness, trying to find the way, or some new door in your search for light and truth? Where do you stand today? In the light or in the dark? The Bible says that all who believe in Him will not be lost but have eternal life. I have personally experienced that Jesus is so much greater than any philosophies or religions. Nothing can compare to the peace and joy I have found in Him. He has given me rest for my soul. Every day I am learning from Him to have love and patience and compassion for others. He has even given me new music. He is my Heavenly Father. This is something that you do not have, and unfortunately never had, a Father who loves you and takes care of you. How precious is God's offer of love to those who come to Him in faith. He heals the brokenhearted, and He gives a peace that passes all understanding. God keeps all of His promises. We are all praying for you, that the truth would be revealed to you. It is a great joy to write you, I love you so much. What a time of rejoicing it will be if we would all know the same Father in heaven. Greetings from Christine and Nomtani. I can only imagine how deep these words might have fallen upon Nadia's heart as she read her son's letter. Not only did he not have the father he needed, but her father had abandoned her and her mother. After she was married, she had made a couple of visits to see her father in Cairo. She even took Thomas with her on one trip. I have photos and film material of them near the pyramids. I am sure that she hoped to build a relationship with him, but sadly, he already had his own family there. The Apostle John's letter had inspired Thomas and I to reach out in love to his family. Both my dad and Thomas began encouraging Nadia to come visit us in California. We wanted her to see her first grandchild, and I hoped that she could finally meet my family. She had only known them through letters and phone calls that started back in West Berlin. I will close today with this thought. 
At Living Waters, Thomas used to share with our friends about the letters he had from his mother. They found it particularly interesting to hear the story of his family that lived in Germany. And because we read together the end of the Apostle John's letter, we were all encouraged to be faithful in prayer. Verse 14 says, This is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Bye for now, friends. I will include in the description box for you the link to the song, Behold What Manner of Love the Father Has Given Unto Us.